Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome along to our second preview podcast for the 2019-20 season. I'm Hugh McTeer and I'm delighted to be joined by Paco and Roman for this one. Paco, how are you doing looking ahead to this new season? Well, pretty excited, um, by the way, because uh, lots of things have been going on this summer in, in Valencia, obviously in Valencia, both in Levante and also Villarreal. So plenty of things to, to be interested uh, on on the next uh, season and also... I have my interest picked on, on the way um, Marcelino is going to be on his third, third year. That's one of my biggest issues. I don't really know how Marcelino is going to be able to juggle so many competitions this year with so much pressure on top of him because obviously fans have won a Copa del Rey a few months ago and they want more. Yeah, Marcelino in the third year is always always going to be interesting. Roman, how are things up in Barcelona where Espanyol, one of the teams we'll be talking about, they already started their season before anyone else in Europa League qualifiers. How are things up in Barcelona? All good up here. Um, hopeful that Espanyol will finally make it to Europa League because, I mean, they had a great season at the end. Last year they managed to qualify and hopefully that will um, turn out into, into a good qualification for Europa League. And I'm looking forward to see how they perform there if they finally make it. Perfect. So let's get on with this podcast. We already had our title race discussion that came out for everybody on Monday. If you've not listened to that, go and listen to that as well. This podcast will be focusing on everybody not named Barcelona, Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. So let's start with the fourth best team in Spain going by last season. That's Valencia, Paco. You just mentioned you're a little bit worried. Will they be in the top four again in La Liga? I think so. Even though Marcelino's third season aren't usually that brilliant. They still need a couple of tweaks, a couple of additions to the squad if they don't want to make the same mistakes as last season when we saw that it wasn't enough to play three competitions with that depth of squad. And talk about Valencia making the same mistakes as the past. They they almost ruined it all by hitting the self-destruct button in the offices, the club offices. Everything was going well on the pitch. Marcelino had just won the Copa del Rey, fourth place, and then it all threatened to self-destruct in the summer. What exactly happened there in that drama involving Matteo Alemani, the director, and Peter Lim, the owner? What happened there? Uh, okay, so this is going to be very tough to process, but I've tried to sum it up as much as possible, deep breath. Uh, for the last two seasons, Peter Lim delegated in Matteo Alemán most of the transfer talks and moves with one or two single exceptions, such as buying Gonzalo Guedes last summer. 
uh, the owner of the club decided not to have executive powers and just greenlit whatever uh, Alemani and Marcelino, who are very, very close, by the way, decided to do, okay? They uh, made and took decisions and Peter Lim said yes or no. Um, they were doing a, a good job, okay? Uh, Alemani expected to keep doing his thing this summer and making larger and larger uh, his influence within the club with Marcelino at his side, but Peter Lim had other plans. He had already decided that yeah, they were doing a good job, but that the club is actually his, okay? He was the one to pony up the cash and that he wants to have a bigger impact on how things are done daily. So there was friction, there was a fallout. It seemed that Matteo Alemán could actually leave the club at what point and that Marcelino could follow suit, okay? But at the end of the day, both sides, luckily for Valencia fans, backpedaled tiny bit they met face to face in Singapore and they seemed to solve the issue for now because as you know once you lose trust in someone who is a tight collaborator with you it's very tough to regain that confidence and and that uh, level of of partnership and, and trust so I'm quite worried in that sense, but I expect all of them to behave on a professional way and to leave all of their personal differences aside uh, in order to benefit the team and the club. Yeah, well, you tell a, you tell a great story, Paco. You should you should do audiobooks. Um, that was <laughs> you, you, you summed it all up there. A few cliffhangers, a few drama dramas turned there. I, I enjoyed that recap, and I think understand now what happened at Valencia and. The, the situation going forward and some of the things that might be lingering from that drama, but at the moment, everything seems to be okay. Now, Roman, let's talk about the one of the other top clubs in Spain, Sevilla. Julian Lopetegui, he's back in Spanish football. He's at Sevilla. Monchi is as well. They've looked really, really good in pre-season. How do you expect Sevilla's season to go? Well, I think when Monchi and Sevilla are together, things uh, work out well. I expect the best from them right now because... As we all know, Monchi has been such an important um, person for the club and him returning, I think, will kind of liven them up once again. And the only doubt I have is on Lopetegui because um, when he left Porto, um, fans weren't too happy with him. When he left Spain, fans weren't too happy with him for other reasons, of course, not for football, but rather for how he left. And when he left Madrid, fans weren't happy. So I think it's his moment to prove himself as a manager and to lead an important club such as Sevilla. At the moment, the preseason looks good. They're playing well. They're getting wins. Uh, we're hoping that will um, continue in La Liga, of course. And with all the new signings coming in, uh, I think it's uh, it's Lopetegui's moment now or never to prove himself as a quality manager for a quality club. Yeah, I think they do have a good chance to to be in that top four race. Roman, do you think there's any other club that we've not talked about yet that could be in the top four? Um, there's obviously Barcelona, Atletico and Real Madrid and then Valencia and Sevilla um, will be fighting for that as well. Is there any club we've missed that you think could break into the top four this year? Well, I mean, I think, for example, Betis maybe should be one of the clubs fighting for that position. I think they've been working on a project with it, which has kind of stum um, tumbled down a bit with uh, Setien leaving, but Ruby is coming in. He's a great manager. They're bringing in good signings too, so they should be fighting uh, for that fourth spot if possible. And I think, you know, maybe Villarreal could be there despite their terrible season last year. They still have good pieces. They they know how to work well in the club. And I think uh, maybe something good could come out of there. And I'm also looking forward to seeing Real Sociedad play with, with those um, good signings they've brought in. Yeah, and Roman, let's talk about the two big Basque teams. 
Uh, Athletic Club finished really well with Gaisca Galitano last season. They would have finished fifth, actually, if the season had started when he took over, but that's not the case. So they ended up out of the European spots. And then Real Sofidad, you mentioned them, actually. Uh, they've added Porto, uh, Martin Odegaard, Alexander Isaac. What do you expect from the two big teams in the Basque Country? Yeah, well, Real Sociedad, I think, uh, as I mentioned, yeah, look, really good this season. I mean, uh, last year, for example, Real Sociedad weren't really fighting for anything most of the season. So Alguacil had the chance to uh, bring up the youngsters, give them minutes, get them to start adapting to the competition. And I think um, some of these could consolidate um, this season. And if you add to that the signings you mentioned, I mean, Porto is a fantastic signing. Isaac looks very good. And we'll see what happens with Odegaard, but he has plenty of talent. So I think if, if Alguacil gets the right um, setting on the field, I think Real Sociedad can be a team to look out for. Whereas Athletic, it's always uh, hard to know which way they're going to go because at some point you think they might get relegated because, you know, they can't really have a a fantastic transfer window because of the terms of the club. So losing classic players such as Susaeta, Iturraspe, Mikel Rico probably is good for them to give the possibility to the youngsters to um, have more minutes. But still, I just um, don't see Athletic being as good as the end of last season. I don't think the momentum is going to carry on. And I think they're actually going to struggle again this season. It'll be interesting to look out for those teams, see if they can break into Europe once again and bring European football back to the Basque Country. So time for some predictions from everybody. Who's going to finish 4th, 5th, 6th and 7th? Paco, I'll come to you first. I believe Valencia are the ones who have the most chances of ending on the fourth place because of the squad, because of the quality of their players, because also the experience that their overall their team is able to to amass from uh, former seasons, and they are very very well equipped for that kind of uh, task. Um, fifth place for Sevilla once again. They they have a very very good squad. Um, I believe that Villarreal are going to bounce back this year. And they are going to be able to fight once again for uh, entering um, European spots. So they would be sixth. And um, may I add one of the biggest surprises in my view. I believe that this is going to be the big breakout season for Leganes. I always thought that Lega are mega. But I think that they are really able to do something important this year under uh, Pellegrino with players who are going to um, keep playing for them this year. Uh, Obviously, their uh, summer transfer market hasn't been the best one, but I think that they can be the biggest surprise this year and they might be able to fight for seventh. Interesting. And Roman, what about you? Well, similar teams, different order. For me, Sevilla will make the fourth spot this season, I think with Monchi's return. Then I think uh, Valencia will be fifth. All the pressure behind that club is just so complicated to handle. And I don't know if Marcelino will be able to pull off another great um, season. And then I think uh, sixth will be for Betis and seventh for Villarreal, who, as Paco said, I think will bounce back once again. Yeah, very similar to mine, but again, slightly different order. I think Sevilla, Valencia, Villarreal and then Real Betis. Uh, so we'll see how that goes and see how silly we all look at the end of the season. Let's look silly with the relegation battle as well. I've got a sneaky feeling that Levante could end up being relegated this season. They conceded the second most goals of all teams last year. Paco, tell me why I'm wrong. What's the mood around Levante? Well, you wouldn't get rich on the betting uh, houses with that kind of uh, prediction because actually Levante looked pretty bad at this point uh, in the summer because for starters, they didn't find their own sport director 
till June 13th. Um, and that definitely isn't normal. You know, Tito was the one to leave the club um, in the last days of June and they uh, sought out another individual who be, could be in charge of the signings this summer. And at the end of the day, they uh, came back to square one and they brought in Manolo Salvador, who was the architect uh, for Levante in one of the best uh, eras of, of their whole history between... Uh, 2008 and um, 2015, I believe. Um, he was the one who signed uh, Aruna Cone, uh, Felipe Caicedo, uh, Obafemi Martins. He was the one who built a squad who, with one of the uh, smaller budgets in, in La Liga, w were able to uh, squeeze into European competition for the first time in 110 years. So Manuel Salvador has been the one in charge in the last few months, but he came in on, uh, I insist, June 13th. That's very difficult for a sport director to build and to find interesting players who are able to adjust to the budget of the, of the squad in so little time. So the planning has been all over the place. Uh, lots of rumors, lots of players who seem to be interested in coming to Levante. But at the end of the day, the squad is half done at this point. And I'm especially worried, as you said, Iwan, before, uh, on the defense. Because Levante were in shambles last year, they were able to score very easily, but they uh, were a, an absolute disaster at the back. And I think that Levante needs to sign at least two big uh, signings uh, to help them to defend a bit better this year. Yeah, I really, I really agree with your point there about having so little time to prepare for the season. But one of the teams that had the problem not because of anything that they did with the hiring of a sporting director one team that had this problem was Real Mallorca they didn't even know they were in the division until June 23rd that's when they qualified beating Deportivo in the Segunda playoff final so Roman what do we think about Real Mallorca who've had so little time to prepare and the other newly promoted sides Osasuna and Granada is there a team out of those three who you think can stay up? Well, I mean, for these clubs, it's always such a big leap playing in Primera. So much changes from La Liga Undostres coming up. We saw last year with West and Rayo how they were struggling, despite that at some points they were playing good football, but that's just not enough in, in First Division. You need to be consistent. You need to have, um, have a very solid squad. So what the clubs do, they bring in lots of signings sometimes. For example, Mallorca this season, they've brought in a lot of signings, but of course... That means that the manager has to rearrange everything, restructure how the team plays in, in, in so little time. So it's really difficult for them. But if there's one that maybe could stay up, I think I'd bet on Osasuna because I think they're signing really good players, especially offensively, like Chimi Avila, who was fantastic with Huesca last year, Adrian Lopez, who has experience in the league, and other players such as Cardona, Robin Garcia. So my bet would be on Osasuna, but it's, it's very hard for them to actually manage uh, to stay. Yeah, I really like Osasuna as well. They didn't lose a single home game last year. They won 19 and drew two of them. So if they can keep up that home form, they'll definitely have a chance to stay up. So let's get some predictions from you both uh, about the three teams you think will go down. I do think Osasuna will stay up. I think Mallorca might as well. We've seen in the past some of the teams that come up with the momentum of the playoffs end up staying up. So I think the teams that will go down will be Granada and I'm going to go for Alaves and Levante as well. Paco, who are your three teams to go down? Well, definitely Granada will be one of them. Um, also, I believe that Valladolid, uh, whether 
flirting with the possibility last season and this year they will do the deed and, and go down because uh, I don't really see their uh, improvement this, this summer. And I'm going for a surprise in the third spot going down. Um, it actually would be a very uh, interesting bet, you know, because <laughs> that would give us plenty of money if, if I am right. Athletic Club. I, I don't I don't see that team um in a in a good spot. You know, at the end of the day they always are able to avoid relegation in some way, you know. Sometimes even those ways have been um let's say a bit um you know, a bit strange, okay? A bit weird. The the typical ref call here and there, okay? But um in the last few seasons they have shown that if they don't take the competition ser- seriously at the beginning um, later uh, coming back is going to be very tough so those are going to be my three Granada later um, Valladolid and finally Athletic Club so I think it's going to be uh, quite similar to you guys Granada look uh, like they're going to struggle a lot I think Mallorca will also struggle a lot and the next one for me is between Valladolid and sorry you one Eibar, I mean, of course they have a great team, but uh, they've lost two really important players such as Ruben Peña and Joan Jordana, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to keep up this great level uh, another season, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, they lost Cucavela as well, so yeah, uh, going to be tough for Eibar, but they always seem to find a way of finding players you've absolutely never heard of, and they tend to be very good, so um, I think all Eibar fans hoping that can happen again. I'm going to thank Paco and Roman again. We've got Matt coming up in the second part of this podcast. He's been all around England, seeing some of these teams in pre-season. We're going to talk with Matt about these teams, and then get ready for the new La Liga Santander campaign. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back for part two of podcast two of La Liga Lowdown season previews. We just discussed the European and relegation battles with Paco and Roman. Now it's time to go into a little more detail with a few of the teams that our own Matt Clark saw during his Spanish pre-season tour around the UK. Matt, thanks for joining me in this podcast. 
Hi, Ewan. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Ready to discuss some of the teams that you saw. So specifically, you went to see Real Sociedad, Athletic Club, Espanyol and Valencia. Who impressed you the most and why? Well, I think uh, all of the teams were pretty impressive in their own ways. Um, Athletic Athletic Club, they were very very good in terms of attacking play. The link up between Niaki Williams and Iker Munyain, the new captain. That was all very encouraging. Uh, Real Sociedad, they have now a plethora of attacking talent, which is very encouraging for their fans. Valencia's midfield look imperious and uh, every bit the side that beat Barcelona to win the Copa del Rey back in May. And of course, uh, lastly but not least, Espanyol, they came over to Sheffield. It was a really quick uh, in and out for the game, but uh, they didn't bring all of their squad because of the Europa League qualifiers, but they still brought Roulet and he uh, excited some of the fans that were there to see him specifically and he scored a belting goal. So yeah, I think of the most, the most impressive I would say was Espanyol given that they were in the middle of qualifiers. Yeah, well let's talk about Espanyol then. So they're taking part in Europa League qualifying. They started pre-season before any other team for that reason. Did they look much sharper than the rest? Um, so should Sevilla be worried when they visit the RCDE Stadium in week one of La Liga? Uh, I think they will be quite concerned. Uh, they, they did look very sharp. As I say, Wule was, was very encouraging in his play. He was linking up very well with the midfield and uh, he, he knows where the goal is, that's for sure. Yeah, and what about Valencia? So they're the only one of the La Liga teams um, who you went to see who actually lost their game. What weaknesses did you see in that 2-1 defeat against Brighton? Uh, as I say, the midfield was pretty impressive, but uh, I think uh, Maxi Gomez was still a little bit rusty up front for them. We still need a little bit of time to work him into some form uh, to link up with Rodrigo. Uh, they would have been disappointed to concede late, especially to a set-piece goal. Although I would caveat that by saying that that game did come at the end of that week of turmoil that they did have. And uh, the players' heads may not have been fully on the game. But um, Marcelino will certainly not be happy with the way they conceded that, that late goal. Yeah, that makes sense after that crazy week that uh, Paco told us about in part one. Um, let's talk about the Basque teams now. So they're both expected to be in that race for Europa League places. Who looked better out of Athletic Club and Real Sociedad? Well, these, the fans of these two teams have really got a, a good-looking season to look forward to, I would say, especially in terms of attacking play. Athletic have, uh, have got uh, Iñaki Williams tied down for a new deal now with a massive uh, nine-year deal with a bumper. 135 million euro buyout clause, which should put off uh, even the, the richest English teams. And as for Real Sociedad, they've been uh, investing some money in forward players. They've managed to get Martin Odegaard on loan. They've got Alexander Isaac uh, from Dortmund. They've also brought in uh, Christian Portu. And that's all to add together with, already who's there, Willian Jose, who was their top scorer last season with 11 goals. I would say probably at the moment, I'd probably say Real Sociedad looked the better in terms of the depth and variety they have up front. While uh, with Athletic, the depth is a little bit of a concern for me. Mm. And let's talk about Real Sociedad then in a bit of detail. So they've got all these attacking options, Odegaard, Isaac, Porto as well. Uh, that's, that's pretty exciting, no? Definitely. I mean, uh, Alexander Isaac has already been in great form in pre-season. He's already scored four goals for them. He's fitted in seamlessly. He scored a couple in the game I saw. And uh, he's already linking up well with, with their midfield. Uh, Oyathabal didn't even play in that game, so he's, he's to come back in as well. So they've got a real good blend of forward players. Christian Porto from Girona is a real canny signing. I think he's, he's very quick and nimble around the box. He can link up with midfield and then feed the forwards as well. And of course, the, the great thing for them is that all of this was covered in effect by Griezmann's move to Barcelona because of their 20% sell-on clause. 
So they've, they've managed to bring all these exciting young talents in and, and barely had to break the bank. Yeah, that's a good point about Griezmann. One of the best signings um, and one of the best sales, sorry, in their history, not once, but twice. Indeed. Um, so with Real Sofidad, okay, I'm, I'm definitely not jumping on the Real Sofidad hype train like everybody else is. I'm, af- I'm afraid I'm just not buying it, okay? So they do have all these attacking options. You've just outlined them. But part of football is you have to stop the opponent from scoring, right? So Real Sofidad, who do they have in defence? They've lost some defenders. They also had some of the most injury-prone defenders in the league last year. Who's going to stop the goals from going in at the other end? Or does that not matter if they have the players up front who can score you three or four goals a game? Well, it's a very good point, you, and they could have some some basketball-style scores, but uh, you are right, defence, they will need to get the right balance between the attack and defence. Uh, they have signed Modibo Sagnon from Lens, um, from France, uh, but of course it remains to be seen how he will adapt to the, the pace and uh, physicality and technique of La Liga, whether he'll be able to translate that effectively. Um, Diego Oriente is of course the leader of their defence, uh, again he will be pivotal for them. They only kept nine clean sheets in La Liga last season, which wasn't really uh, as many as, as they would have hoped for if they want to push on for a European challenge. Too many times they conceded goals in games, which means of course they have to then score more goals to get the full three points. Uh, they have got a couple of promoted uh, players from the B team, Ian Munoz and Robin Lenormand. But of course, as, as always, it it's, remains to be seen how well they will fit into the La Liga, uh, the pace and of course all the different challenges that that upper, higher level will bring. For me as well, the, uh, the key for them might be uh, the captain, Azia Iaramendi, sitting in front of that back four. He, was, uh, he missed a lot of games last season, as you touched on the injuries. He missed a lot of games, so for me, his fitness will be a key factor in just shielding that back four. Yeah, it's the, it's the injuries that do worry me. No team in La Liga in 2018-19 had more injuries than Real Sociedad. They'll hope for a healthier season this year, but yeah, some guys that are just a bit injury prone, hopefully they stay healthy and yeah, hopefully the guys up front stay healthy and give the fans up at the, the newly named uh, Real Seguro Stadium uh, something to, to look forward to this year. So let's talk about the rest of pre-season. Of the games you didn't attend in, in slightly more exotic places like Japan and the USA and Mexico and Switzerland. Which um, which preseason game stood out the most for you out of all these international cup ones and various trophies? Which one stood out to you and, and grabbed your attention? Uh, there was a few. I mean, the Atleti Real Madrid game was mm, was obviously uh, quite a mind blowing scoreline to wake up to in the UK time zone, um, and to see Costa banging in the goals again was something that he didn't really do much of last season. Uh, I'd also say that the Barcelona win over Napoli, four nil margin, was really impressive because Napoli had been Quite, a, quite good in pre-season up to then. They'd beaten Liverpool. They, they were looking quite good under Carlo Ancelotti. So for Barcelona, without Messi, to go and win 4-0, it was some very encouraging signs for them. The link-up with Griezmann, Dembélé and Suarez, all amongst the goals as well. I think that was quite impressive. Yeah, for me, one of them was, was Sevilla defeating Liverpool, the, the European champions, uh, 2-1 in that game in Boston. Do you think there's much we can really learn from that game, even though it was pre-season? Maybe the fact that Nolito looked so good, the fact that Lopetegui has started well, the fact that uh, Joris Gagnon looks really up for it, maybe too up for it with that really horrible challenge that went viral. What did you make of that game when Sevilla defeated uh, the champions of Europe? Yeah, there were certainly a few tasty tackles and... Uh... Certainly, uh, they're obviously keen to impress Lopetegui, but didn't impress Jurgen Klopp too much. I can uh, I can say that. Uh, yeah, I think you, you touched on the Lito there. He had a he was so unlucky with his injury last season. He was he was coming into a bit of form at the time he got injured. So he'll be hoping that he can really kick on. 
There's been a massive turnover of players at Sevilla. Uh, with Munchi back, he's been willing and dealing in the transfer market. And I think they've got a real exciting blend of, of forward players, perhaps the most dynamic range of different striker types with Dabur, with Luke de Jong. But uh, we know Lopetegui likes to play attacking football and they seem to be starting in that vein. So let's hope they can continue that and bring some, uh, some smiles to the fans. It really does look quite an interesting year for Sevilla. You make a good point there. So many incomings, so many outgoings. I'm not too sure if that can work. Uh, I'm not going to get on the Sevilla hype train either. I'm just going to stay in the station until I see something that I like. But thank you, Matt, for coming on and telling us all about the Spanish teams that came over to visit the UK for pre-season, the ones you went to see in person. Thanks for that insight. And thank you as well to Paco and Roman, who told us all about who's getting into Europe next year, who's going down. They told us all of that in part one. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in for this preview pod remember this is the second podcast we've done there was another one about the title race if you've not listened to that yet go and listen to that for all our predictions about Barcelona Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid and remember next Monday we'll be having our first post La Liga weekend podcast of the season going over everything that happened in the first round of the new campaign deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.